everybody, it's time to roll for intent with the Creator's Corner. And we are back to take our second look at this impressive tome of treasure. Aptly named the Treasure Vault. <laughs> How are you doing today, Trevor? Busy day. Long, busy, busy day. day. We were supposed to start recording an hour ago, and I didn't even get home until 30 minutes after we were supposed to start recording. And busy day. Son's birthday, so kind of takes precedence, you know? Oh, yeah. That's why I wasn't worried. I was like, ah, I wonder where Trevor is. I know it's his son's birthday. I don't care. <laughs> Maybe they just are having too much fun. We were. We changed our plans in the last minute and went the opposite direction from where we were going to be going. So kind of threw things off. It happens. It does. So what are we going to dive into today? Ooh, today we have the chapter Alchemy Unleashed. And this is a pretty big chapter. In fact, the chapter map in the sidebar tells us alchemical ammunitions, bombs, foods, tools, bottled monstrosities, elixirs, permanent alchemical items, and poisons. Oh, bottled monstrosity sounds like a new class item. It is an interesting thing. It's, you know, it's one of those things when we get to it, I I certainly have a few, a few questions about the practicality side of things, but they do look entertaining. Oh, yeah. I remember looking when I was first skimming through that chapter, looking at the requirements for crafting the individual things. It's pretty ridiculous, but we'll get to that. In fact, it is, it's the first little section that says crafting requirements in this chapter. And one of them, the tagline says, crafting requirements supply the corpse of a rock. And not the small stone, but the large, well, technically gargantuan bird. And I'm thinking, wow, exactly. you need to supply the corpse of an entire rock to make this item that really doesn't do a ton (laughs) like this must be really rare items it is cool it's just that i worry about the fact of each one requires the corpse of an entire rock well we'll get to that when we get to that let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves i know this is probably the bit in this book that you've been most excited about i know how much you love alchemists as a class Uh, you have a affinity for them you play an alchemist in our podcast role for intent uh as mordrin the flesh warp alchemist delving into the abomination vaults so i know that these alchemical items are near and dear to your heart i think the only thing that would probably make you more excited is if there was a chapter called eidolon items but that would be really cool but there's not so yeah unfortunately but i'm gonna let you lead the way on this because you're definitely more of an expert on this stuff than i am all right. Well, the the first section we have here is alchemical ammunition. And as you would expect, it's a lot of stuff that I've seen printed in a few other locations, plus some new stuff. We have, you know, kicking right off the list of starts with Bane ammunition, which gives the Bane property. It does have a level one application that adds 1d4, and all of these just add persistent damage, unlike Bane item weapon runes that when you every time you hit, you just deal this additional damage on top of stuff. This is a persistent poison damage. And like what they've done with the other Banes, it's, you know, it's just it does not affect humanoids. Obviously, constructs and undead are immune to poison anyway, so no need to include them. 
it's got a lot of good stuff. Blistering ammunition, elemental ammunition, freezing ammunition, and they pretty much operate exactly what, as you would suspect. The first thing I got to that just made me laugh was life shot ammunition. And this is strictly for guns. And you guessed it. You shoot an ally and instead of harming them, you heal them. (laughs) Yeah, the application for like targeting a willing ally with this, like, would they be able to lower their AC to help you? Like, can you just like raise a bit of the breastplate so it can hit you better? I mean... The application for this seems neat, but it seems like they didn't quite think through the actual in-game usage. It does say that a willing target is flat-footed against the attack. (laughs) We'll see. There we go. So you do have that plus two to hit them. (laughs) I mean, what if they're like point blank? Like, okay, put the barrel on my forehead. Just do that. See, I, I don't know. It's weird. It feels weird. Like, okay, so it's a gun that injures, but also saves. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> and then, and this, you know, if you, the, the, if you have multiple rounds cheap either. No. Yeah. The starts off at level two, five gold pieces and only heals one D four. It is not the go to method of healing. But if you have someone that's dying and you even have the lowest level of this and you can shoot them, you know, some of the guns, they have impressive ranges. So being able to, bring an ally back from dying at a range of 60 feet, 120 feet, over 200 feet. Yes, you're taking penalties for the range increments, but you can do it. So, and an unconscious target has a very low armor class. So it, yes, I certainly agree. This is not the most effective way of healing. However, this does let you accomplish something that there is no other way to accomplish it. So I do give my hats off to them. I love it when some, an item does allow you to do something that's never been done before. There's a couple other items in here, a couple other the ammunitions that seem pretty novel and interesting as well. The rusting ammunition is always a fun one. I would love to throw that on some gunslinger NPC to just pepper a champion or something with. Yes, it is. It's pretty good. It deals a significant amount of damage to objects when you hit them. So I will say it starts off at level 13. So you're not going to be seeing that anytime soon. No, I can dream. And, and all of these, except for the life shot, uh, are applicable to any ammunition. The life shot specifically, though, says a round. So this is that one's guns only. Everything else in there is just as you would suspect. Well, you know what? Since I think aren't guns considered simple weapons in most cases, so anybody's pretty much anybody's yeah. proficient with them if they can get access. So they run the gamut. Wouldn't There's, be that big of a deal. Yeah, they have simple, they have martial, they have advanced guns, so they're right. kind of like every weapon. They've got their own. There's something for everyone. Next up, we got Next. bombs. Ooh, yes, and the first one you come across is the blight burn bomb, and this is literal radiation. <laughs> right, I'm glad they brought blight burn back. I loved blight burn in 1E. I thought it was so cool. Yeah, and this is this is a bomb that the first iteration of it is level 15, so these are Pretty decent bombs. They do a lot of damage too. 3d6 poison and 3d4 persistent poison and three poison splash with a high fort DC. That's a 34 fort DC at level 15. That's that's not that's not a slouch right there. Yeah, anytime you take the 
any blight burn damage, you are affected by the actual blight burn sickness. So that one is that sickness is is pretty potent. Onset time, one to four days. Stage one is one day. Then stage two is one day. Then it goes to one week, then one month and then one year. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it sticks around. It's it's a bad one. Yeah, that one's that one's pretty potent. Uh, honestly, the one after it I thought was awesome. Boulder seeds. And this is like a you have this small chemical substance. And when you throw it, it grows and into this either quasi super hard foam and the, the more powerful one is stone. But you basically throw this tiny little thing and it grows into the literal size of like a five foot cube boulder. That is really fun. Right. And then it it crumbles away into difficult terrain too. It's it's neat. You can you can do some some area denial and things. Yeah, its primary thing is to push things. It actually doesn't deal that good of damage. It's the the first one, level 12, does 3d4 plus three blood gene splash damage, and the level 18 one is 4d4. This is a this is more of a way for you to batter around large, huge, gargantuan opponents and actually push them around on the battlefield. We've yeah, got, it can, it's a good area denial. So adding area denial to a class that wouldn't necessarily have a perpetual area denial is, is pretty cool, I think. You can close off choke points for a couple rounds, things like that. It's nice. And a lot of the bombs introduced in this are very high level. Like, they're level 15, level 12. We have the Lodestone Bomb, the Shatterstone Bomb. They're predominantly very high-level bombs. Although, the level 1 bomb, the Skunk Bomb, I thought was pretty great it is exactly what you think it the level one it deals a d4 poison damage one splash damage however anything hit by the splash damage has to make a fortitude save or become sickened and if it fails it could be sickened and slowed if it's critical failure it could be blind and sickened and slowed so of note you must critically succeed in order to not be sickened you're at least sickened one if you succeed and sickened sucks sickened is almost as bad as frightened i'm actually surprised that they gave this to a first level bomb because we don't see the sickened condition a lot actually and i know it, because it lasts until something actually makes that check to get rid of the condition unlike frightened it just ticks away so being able to get sickened out on enemies is Pretty impressive and a, a really good ability for a first level bomb. I can expect uh, Asmordrin to probably pick a few of these up, I would guess. I'm going to be watching out uh, for them. The problem is, is it's poison. So Abomination Vaults, not the greatest use of poison. <laughs> Undead or immune but to sickened, it. And but sickened. I know. Sickened is so good. Ironically, Undead are not immune to sickened. But if it's from poison, right. they're not taking it. Now, this one, Abomination uh, as Mordern will probably never get, but we sure could use it to anyone following the podcast. And that's the true shape bomb. <laughs> right. That, that, uh, helps deny the effects of polymorph, right? Yeah. If anyone is under the effect of a morph or polymorph, they have to make a fortitude save at the listed DC, depending on the level of the bomb. And if they fail, they return to their normal form. 
simple and easy that, peasy that is great for you to use as a gm against npcs that may be i don't know animal instinct barbarians because their rage is a morph oh no i think most of the barbarians have like the giant the animal the dragon right. I think a lot of those have morph effects right the one that definitely does not is the fury so despite being vanilla and weak relatively speaking it doesn't have the weaknesses that the other ones would have but that's way off the beaten path now. It's a neat bomb. Yeah, so, you know, our bombs, there's only two pages, couple of bombs, and then we get into alchemical foods. This is a brand new category. This is never-before-seen stuff, and there are two new traits. There is the lozenge trait, which when you take a food with this trait, you can either gain its minor benefit for as long as it says that, you know, if you're using the Lotion's effect, it could be a minute or 10 minutes. And they all have another effect that you can choose to just chomp down on them and chew them up and gain a greater effect. But after that, the alchemical food is gone. And the other is processed. So it actually, it we see alchemical items here that take much longer than a single action or two actions or even three actions to make. Some of these things can be a minute to actually create them. And, and if you're wondering about quick... Additional time to activate them as well. So it's not necessarily a one action. Oh, it works now. Some of these take some time, which they keep lasting after that amount of time, but can take, you know, a minute, 10 minutes to activate. Now, the bulk of these are pretty traditional. They're just, you know, you eat them and you're ready to go. So, you know, it's it's not a don't be thinking there's a ton of stuff that you're going to have to keep track of all these times. Of course, there are a few things, but for the most part, these are a lot of effects that are just just like your standard alchemical stuff. You spend one action, you you consume it, you take this effect and you're you're good to go. This is one of the chapters that I did not just I didn't jump right into because it's 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 uh it's so different, you know, being able to make food and uh, that food have special effects. It's something that we had in one E to a certain extent. And we have some things like last wall soup now and things like that. But I don't know that those are technically considered alchemical food. They're just food items like a beer or a wine or something would be. So there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. <laughs> there are quite a few good ones. Our first one, we see the Assassin Vine Wine. Uh, very cool. Just a single interact action. And after you drink a cup of this for one minute, you gain Tremor Sense at a range of 30 feet. Level 9 item. So pretty cool, actually. Tremor Senses is definitely one of your more powerful sensory abilities. This one is a level nine item, though, so it's not something that you're just going to start cooking up with your alchemist day one. Oh, yeah. And there's quite a few foods in here. And the, you know, the cinnamon sears, they're you know, so many of these little things. They're pretty amusing. This is one of the ones that has the lozenge effect. So while it remains in your mouth for up to an hour, you gain a plus one item bonus checks to recall knowledge. And, and you can use a secondary effect to trigger a reaction to uh, re-roll a recall knowledge check that you gained no information from. 
Yep, and this is the bite to the center of the Tootsie Roll Pop, because after you do these secondary reaction effects, the the entire effect is gone. You've you've consumed the whole thing, and now you're ready for another one. Crackling bubblegum's pretty amusing. Uh, this one, again, uh, another lozenge-type one. And while you're chewing on the gum, you gain an item bonus to saving throws against auditory and sonic effects. And this depends on the level of the crackling bubblegum and its secondary effect to actions. You blow a bubble and then when it pops, all creatures within a 15 foot cone, they make a fortitude save. They take a minus 10 foot item penalty to speed for one minute and they take some damage depending on the level of the food here. So there's there's a lot of different flavors to this. And some of these things are just like you know, Delve scales. They're basically boule pork rinds. <laughs> mm, gotta love them. Yep. It, it, you, know, you fry them up and after a minute after eating them, you gain a burrow speed 15 feet and a plus two item bonus to athletics checks for high and long jumps. So there are such a wide variety of these items. It's it's actually a, a really fun new way to play an alchemist or even have this makes a alchemist i've always thought is one of the best um archetype class classes to take because you can augment almost any class with an alchemist easily spellcaster melee whatever and this really just adds to your ability to do that and there's a lot in here this is one of the larger sections within uh this chapter uh, we're looking at, what, four or five pages of stuff. Uh, one that really jumped out to me that I thought was really fun uh, was the witch's finger. It's a really silly item. Uh, imagine a popsicle made <laughs> of a gnarled frozen finger. And if you uh, take a bite, it makes you feel warm for an hour and you gain cold resistance and negates damage from severe environmental cold. That's all it does. So creepy, so weird. It's supposed to be like an Irasani witch's finger. I haven't played in a campaign that would need that, but I imagine it'd be really neat to have in a quest for the Frozen Flame, and they're already so uh, built upon uh, crafting your own items and stuff. Things like this would be fantastic for, uh, for characters in a game like that. Yeah, you've got five pages here of alchemical foods. So there's a, a little bit for everyone. And numerous of these ones, like the Fury Cocktail, they have one, two, three, four, five, six different effects that you can choose when you create it. So numerous ones of these, even though it is a item, it's six items in of itself. So And that one's technically a mutagen. So fun stuff. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot here for you. And it's it's going to be a good time. I think people are the the alchemist side of things. People are really going to enjoy this. And I have seen other people do things about, you know, making a an alchemist kind of subclass that is a cook or things like this. So this I hope we see something like this officially from Paizo soon with the introduction of this type of alchemy. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Use that super taster feet and go for like a gourmand type background or something. I could see a lot of fun to be had for like a mutagen based alchemist that 
is flavored as a cook and does a ton of these alchemical foods. And once again, as we talk about all the time, here's some design space, third-party creators. Let's make some more alchemical food. Let's make a big old Galarian cookbook. And next we have another alchemy area that definitely needs some expansion, and they delivered here. That is the alchemical tools, and there are certainly a fair number of them, but they're all pretty, eh, you know, they're not super stellar, crazy exciting. They're certainly fun when you get to them, but this increases our list by, I think, like four pages, and we've got animal repellents, we've got camouflage dye, colorful coating, which is basically just a a small thing of paint that you throw over. And depending on the color, it has all of these different effects from making items stronger or making them more climbable or difficult terrain or making them slippery because you've lowered their friction. I mean, there is a ton of options with even just that one, the colorful coating. So there's a lot of fun in here. All of these are really situational, but most of these are low enough level that you can potentially have a few of them if you needed them, you know, have them in your back pocket, so to speak. The I will say one that is really I found amusing is the implosion dust. And this is for oozes or things that are very amorphous. And it goes on for several rounds. And if they fail their saves, what it does is it like sucks out their moisture and shrinks them. So with each save they failed and it goes up for six rounds, if they keep failing it, they will go all the way to a tiny size. They lose their reach. They take less damage. And this starts off as a level six item, but it is hilarious. I I read this and I just was cracking up thinking of the different applications just doing stuff to oozes with this. Oh, man, that'd be bad to use against some of those ooze morphs of Galarian. Poor guys. Yeesh. Uh, Soothing powders, I think, is going to be a very popular one. You pick a damage type of ongoing damage. This is a single action to apply it. You can apply it, obviously, to yourself or others. And this, they immediately attempt a flat check to remove the damage, and the DC is lowered to 10. So I think this is going to be an insanely popular item. But when you create it, you do have to specify, is this, you know, is it for bleed? Is it for fire, acid, cold? So it's not just a, you know, one fits all. But this is a a really good item for your standard adventurer. It's powdered alum. (laughs) Oh, shaving neck here. Have some soothing powder. We have the revealing mist. Uh, That is a... Basically like an aerosol bottle, it's uh, filled with chemicals, it's a 15-foot cone, and what that does is it changes an undetected creature into, instead of undetected, it moves to concealed. So if you go into a room and you're like, I wonder if there's something here, and you basically just spray a 15-foot cone, you will be able to notice there is something there. So kind of fun, very situational, as Trevor mentioned, but still a very amusing item. There's a higher level one that does a 30-foot cone as well, if you're concerned that 15 isn't quite enough. Uh, but, I mean, I could, I could see some design space for including increasing the cone size by increasing the level a bit as well. So don't be too afraid to modify some of these things at the higher end if a higher end item would be useful, uh, just not present. So don't be afraid to modify them just a touch if you need to, guys. And next, we get to the bottled monstrosity section. 
And this is the one we were we were talking about, like since we've mentioned the rock anyways, well, bottled rock, it is a level nine item. And what that one does is you basically you throw this bottle down. It has a small effigy of a rock inside of it. It grows to a gargantuan rock. It grabs two creatures, flies them 90 feet and then drops them. The creatures must be 15 feet within range of the rock when it appears to be able to grab them. It has a 17 plus 17 athletics modifier to pick them up. But other than that, that's what it does. Now, before you get too excited, keep in mind, flying straight up is considered difficult terrain. So flying up 90 feet would actually only be 45 feet and then dropping them would only be 22 points of damage if they had no way to negate that. So for a level nine item, 22 points of damage is pretty on par. Don't think that this is like, oh, wow, I can deal 45 damage to two things if if I can grab them with this athletics check. Yeah, now. If you're on a cliff face and you do this, much more effective. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'm, again, amused that you need a corpse of a rock for this. Yeah, it's just, it, to me, every one of these is the basically the corpse of the entire creature. And the, the only one that's not, really, is the ghost ampoule, which I really love this one. It's got a small, you know effigy of a, a little ghost inside you throw it down it's a 15 foot emanation and basically will save their frightened two or frightened three on a critical failure so yeah that's or a if level they succeed four on will save yeah and if they succeed on the save there nothing happens i believe but yeah. craft requirements on this one a supply of ectoplasmic residue from a destroyed ghost see that sounds more reasonable like hey i killed a ghost could i make a couple of these and you're like sure as opposed to all of the others you're like oh i need the entire bottle of this thing yeah the the next one that i'm looking at is the kraken bottle oh, yeah can you help yeah. me uh, drag this kraken all the way back to my lab so i can shove yeah. it in a bottle <laughs> and a level 18 That's... item it's yeah, it's a level 18 very, creature. So, I mean, it's a fun item, but yeah, it's uh, it definitely leaves a little little to the imagination. Yeah, Kraken bursts forth, uh, can work in water as well as on the ground. It'll try to grab up to four creatures within 60 feet and repositions them uh, within its reach. It's a DC 38 fortitude save. If you do it in water, it releases a cloud of ink uh, and makes everything inside of it undetected. It's cool. But I don't think it's like worth, okay, I have a cool idea, but we got to kill a Kraken first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's neat, but I don't know that it's level 18 item neat or requirement of having killed a Kraken. I could see like a lower level item of this is like, supply the corpse of an octopus, like a giant octopus. Great. Cool. That's like a level 12 creature. Not a huge deal to find one, but a Kraken, right? Mythical beast. Uh it's absurd. A little bit. Cool. A little absurd. <laughs> and for everyone adventuring in the Abomination Vaults, we do have the worm vial that if you have the corpse of a purple worm, you can make this. So I happen to know where there's one laying around. Will we be level 13 by the time we finish this? Probably not. So don't think I'll ever get a chance to do it. But I do know where there's a corpse. <laughs> to go along with what I said previously about the Kraken bottle, there is an octopus bottle. That does exactly <laughs> what I said. It's a level eight item. Octopus is level eight. I was wrong. It's not a level 12. It's a level eight. Um, it does exactly the same thing, but within 15 feet and only one creature and it repositions it within its reach. Significantly less cool, 
significantly easier to get though <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, uh finding a giant octopus is probably a little little easier there's the tyrant ampoule which is basically yes you probably guessed it you get a t-rex for a minute to run around and trample your enemies we have the worm vial let me just go ahead and grab my uh spare t-rex i've got lying around to shove into the bottle yeah, I can't you know, stress about how absurd the crafting is for these things. It's fun. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you're just like, oh, I have a, uh, I have my T-Rex skeleton that I have on display. But you know what I could do is jam it into this one-time use item that is at the end of the day, eh, for its level. It's like, I think it's more cool to have the, the T-Rex body than it is to I have I mean, it's kind of cool item. to just have a bot and be like, here, look, there's a T-Rex in it. Don't break it. There'll be problems. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, unlike with the other new items, this is only two pages and there's what, nine, I think only nine of these, uh, most of them level 10 or higher. I think there are only two that are not three. There's a level four, level eight and level nine. Everything else is. Oh, and a, five. a level five. Okay, so it's about, yeah, it's about a 50 50. There are four below 10 and then five above. So. It, it does cover a better range than I was thinking initially, but yes, it is a very cool item. I can't wait to see more of these, but kind of like how I felt about the um, incarnate spells, really cool concept. But when I saw them in Secrets of Magic, I'm like, huh, I'm actually never going to use one of these because they're, again, fun concept, but very lackluster for their level and what it is they they do. I, I could see the ghost ampule oh, yeah. getting a lot of usage. The ghost one's actually pretty decent. A level four item with that level of frighten getting them to two or three. Very fun. The hippogriff one is interesting, but the, by the time you're level five, there's other ways you could probably fly if you really had to. Right? So limited usage. Um, certainly aren't going to use something like that in combat, right? Uh, so neat in concept, once again, cool design space. Think of a monster. What could you do with a reanimated version of it? Right. There's a ton of cool stuff you could do. So I see this as an opening of design space more than a showcase of cool items at this point. This is things that can be created. This is, this is the magical tattoos of this book, except we actually have these things in the book they're introduced. And yeah, this is, there's going to be a lot more fun and interesting things stuff of this in the future that brings us to elixirs the staple of the alchemist really and there were a lot of fun elixirs in here the choker arm mutagen uh, numerous different levels and what this does is you get to extend your arms out increasing your reach it lowers your damage one point per weapon die but you gain bonus to your acrobatics checks penalties to your athletics it basically like you know it makes you able to extend your arms but you lose strength when you're doing that and the various levels it increases your reach by five feet or 10 feet or 15 feet but you those penalties increase as you do that it's Starts off as a level one item. Again, a ton of flavor. This was a fantastic elixir. I absolutely love this one. So uh, I, I see how excited you are, and I understand how excited you are about this one. This one disappointed me a little bit because oh, chokers no, are one of my favorite low-level monsters. I think they ooze flavor. They're terrifying. They're deadly. They're glass cannons. They're really weird and strange. The fact that this hurts your athletics checks bugs me 
I think that this should um, help you with grabs because it's a freaking choker, right? The whole thing of a choker is it grabs yeah. you. And now this makes it harder for you to actually grab things by doing a, a minus to your athletics check. Yes, it's only a minus one. And you can you get an extended reach so you can get it. But I would have loved to see it be like minus one penalty to athletics checks, maybe except for grab or except for grappling, right? That, you know. I love chokers and I love grapples. So seeing a choker thing that actually hurts grapples made me a little sad. Overall, it's cool though. I like getting extra reach. That's neat. Yeah, it's I, I overall I love the concept. You know, increase reach, lower your strength because you're super overextended. But yes, I do agree. If, as far as modeling it after the choker, it leaves a little bit. You know, you could give a climb movement, things like that. But I guess with longer limbs, you can reach higher. So that's that's a bonus. I mean, this is perfect for halflings that work in a bar and need to get to the pickle jar all the way up on the top shelf, right? <laughs> the problem is they're going to have trouble opening it once they get their hands on it. <laughs> we have the dead weight mutagen. Uh, this basically thickens your bones, making your body extra heavy and difficult to maneuver. You gain bonuses to your athletics checks to shove and trip things and against being shoved and tripped. Uh, drawback is you are encumbered when you drink this. So encumbered's no joke. You're flat footed and have a minus 10 to your move. So that is, you know, this is definitely a, a big drawback and it starts off as a first level item. So you really need to know when to use this. Cool. Cool though. Very flavorful. Very situationally useful though. If you're up against maybe, maybe you're fighting a lot of packs of wolves and they have a habit of tripping you really good. Because wolves are a very common, low-level enemy. They like to trip. Uh, that's helpful, right, to not go prone. This reminds me a lot of the mountain stance for a monk. I think it's really neat. I like it. I like anything that makes uh, helps with athletics checks to do combat maneuvers. I mean, they don't call them combat maneuvers anymore, but I'm going to be stuck with that term forever. <laughs> we have an interesting uh, item here, the numbing tonic, which is... Honestly, a uh, steps a little bit on the toes of the juggernaut mutagen in a sense. It gives you temporary hit points. There's no drawback to this, but it gives you less temporary hit points than the juggernaut mutagen. And also the juggernaut mutagen gives you, uh, I believe, a bonus to fortitude saves for disease and poisons and some things like this. But it level one, two temporary hit points, level five, five temporary hit points and this you know, it goes from 10 to 15 20 25 temporary hit points all the way up at level 19 so uh, important benefit to this that the juggernaut mutagen doesn't have is that this is not a morph or polymorph effect th that's why i said this is an interesting design choice because it's like here's a, a different juggernaut mutagen that doesn't have the drawbacks and I would much rather have temporary hit points without worrying about that bonus to my fortitude, but without taking those other penalties to be able to just get these temporary hit points. Uh, I also think the duration's lower. This only lasts for a minute. The Juggernaut Mugen, I believe, is 10 minutes. So they're slightly different items, but... Well, this also regens the hit points at the top of every turn. So at the beginning of each of your turns, you get those hit points back. So it keeps giving it to you for the duration. So if something smacks you and knocks off your two hit points for the level one item, your turn rolls around again. You get two more temporary hit points again for your turn. 
Oh yeah. I mean, this is, this is definitely going so to be cool. Uh, well, yeah, this is going to be this one and the soothing tonic. I feel are going these, the combination of these two, and I'll touch on the soothing tonic in a moment. These bring the alchemist into the realm of being a true functional healer and that was a little bit of my beef when we were during the podcast at low level you're like oh i can heal 1d6 and i can give five temporary hit points with these penalties end of story that's it and by the time you're third fourth level they're almost pointless but the the soothing tonic this is a outside of combat healing elixir and you gain fast healing for a minute it starts at level two and it's only one Fast healing one, so that's going to give you 10 hit points. But the level five one, fast healing three. So, you know, as an alchemist, being able to give that, that's going to regenerate 30 hit points. That is better than you're going to get with your, you know, your medicine checks, even hitting that DC 20. That's better than you're going to, I mean, your clerics aren't, or other casters aren't going to want to waste their heal spells unless they absolutely have to. So these are really potent for bringing the party back to full hit points. I mean, I I wouldn't sleep on the ability to pass these out to your party in the middle of a combat too, because that fast healing will bring you up from unconscious. Yes, it'll bring you up to one, but it, you know, if you're a caster and you can get up and move away and start blowing out spells again, you know, give you a round to do that. That's huge. And then you have that on tap for pretty much the whole combat once you take that thing. Oh, yeah, there's it's it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. It's just I, I'm looking at it from that point of, as I said, the the alchemist was a very low rate healer. And now with these, the numbing tonic, the soothing tonic, tonic and a couple of these other items, they are very much actually may even be surpassing other classes with their outside of combat healing and even some of the in combat healing, you know, the level five numbing tonic combined with the level five soothing tonic, you're gaining five temporary hit points every round if you lost them. And at the same time, you're fast healing three every round. I mean, that's eight hit points around. If you're massive. Yeah. If you're in a serious fight at fifth level, no, that is absolutely the difference between life and death. (laughs) Uh, I, anything that will make the Chirujan better yes. from being so garbage, because the theming for that is so cool. I love the idea of it. Uh, but the the subclass sucks. It's so bad. And anything that gives it more benefit, you know, make it so that an alchemist can be a healer, can be a first-line medic. Uh, we got another one in here, the vaccine, that is specifically built to fight a specific ailment. So, not necessarily useful immediately, right? So somebody gets, you know, they have filth fever. Okay, well, we can deal with that in the morning. Not a huge deal. I can whip up a vaccine to deal with filth fever from rats, right? It's very specific. You can't just make a vaccine. It works for everything, right? You have to make the vaccine for the the disease that you're fighting against. But it's a le- starts at level one, goes all the way up to level 18. and. Uh, it gives you a plus two on saving throws against the disease. And there's a duration that it works for. So uh, the level 18 one, you get up there and it's like a perpetual vaccine. You can vaccine somebody against filth fever by 
rats, right? <laughs> and they're always going to get a plus two on saves against filth fever caused by rats. <laughs> it's really I can tell you right now, any player that has had to deal with the fly pox from the giant fly, this is a godsend. That is, I don't know who made that, but it is the most difficult thing for a first level player to get rid of because it's a virulent disease. Every time you fail, it's it you tick away two instead of one. You can't get rid of the damn thing. So this level one item, because flypox is a level one disease, you're like, oh, here's a vaccine for flypox. Gone. Like, oh, and, and actually, <laughs> I need to I need to amend that slightly because I I misrepre- misrepresented this very slightly. The vaccine that you make that's very very specifically pointed to a source of filth fever from a specific thing. The vaccine makes you immune for the listed duration and gives you a plus 2 to bonuses from diseases of the same type from a different source. So like a plus the the example given here is you can say that you're immune to uh filth fever from I'm going to do it again an atuya or an odiug or however you want to call it. It'll make you immune <laughs> to filth fever from that source but plus two to filled fever from anything else for the duration of the vaccine. At any rate, very, very powerful. If you know that you're going to be going up against ghouls, right? Ghoul fever. Just have it prepared to give ghoul fever. Give it before you think you're going to go into a combat against ghouls, and then you're immune to ghoul fever. Big, big bonus. <laughs> and you know, just running down the, the remainder of this chapter, we have permanent alchemical items there are hilarious items in here like the alchemist flamethrower you lo- you load two alchemical bombs into it and you basically spend two actions pull the trigger it shoots a line out and this is only for alchemical fire and it deals basically very similar to the effects of the bombs themselves except in a line a fun item, just hilarious that you can <laughs> load this thing up and just ah, <laughs> and we've got all kinds of stuff in here. There's there's armor modifications and I love the dread helm. Oh, the dread yes. helm is so cool. You can make yourself uh, scarecrow from Batman. It consumes a uh, a dread ampule and it consumes the dread ampule and gives you a bonus to intimidation checks uh and it does mental damage so neat i love it so much i want this on all my characters now and we do see a couple of items here there's the uh oh the weapon siphon i think i forget the exact name the alchemical gauntlet and these are somewhat similar to if anyone's played um the fall of plague stone adventure you have that uh crossbow that vilry the final boss gets where you load an alchemical bomb into it and it deals this extra alchemical damage with each attack we see this as weapon attachments that you can add to either a gauntlet or a melee weapon and you basically fit it so you can put a bomb into it it has to be a elemental damaging bomb acid fire cold electric whatever and after you make your attack it deals an extra 1d4 damage on your attack of the uh, same element, and it does it for three attacks in a row. So basically, your next three attacks that hit, you will get this within the span of one minute once it's activated. It does have the side effect that it increases your multiple attack penalty by one point from five to six. Uh, 
let's see, I believe it does specifically say by one point, yes, one greater than usual. So minus six for normal weapons and then minus five for agile weapons. So minus six, minus 11 or minus five, minus 10. But it's a fun little thing for you to be able to add this in more of a mundane way at lower levels if you're really looking to get some very specific item damage onto creatures if you're in a situation where you're fighting lots of enemies that have these weaknesses. In the same vein, you have the injection reservoir, which makes poisons more useful for pretty much any marshal, right? If you can add an injection reservoir to a piercing weapon, it allows you to essentially make it an injecting weapon, and you can inject poison rather than having to poison a weapon or something along those lines that require feats and some such. You get this attachment to a weapon. And as long as you can get a ready supply of poison, you can continually use poison without having to take like the whole assassin archetype or something like that. And there's just a lot of fun, flavorful things in here, like the living leaf weave. This is a armor. It is a suit of leaf weave armor introduced in this book, and it is set up to hold an elixir of life when you activate it. It's one action for three rounds. It gives you an item bonus uh, equal to whatever elixir you put into it. The same item bonus it gives you to your your saves there as it basically brings these vines back to life and it gives you a, a bonus to resisting grapple, disarm, shove and your reflex to resist trip attempts in that. So it super flavorful again, you know, somewhat situational, but just a really cool concept and very fun. It also gives you a bonus to grapple, once again, right in my wheelhouse. Love that stuff. And finishing out, uh, we have poisons, and there are a lot of new fun poisons. Uh, we've got you know multiple levels of them, you know, first level, second level, 20th level. So I know characters that really enjoy using poisons. You know, there's not a big list in the core rulebook. It's decent. I would say with the addition of this book, it easily probably just a little more than doubles that list of available poisons for you. There's five pages of poisons in here. So yeah, so you're you're yeah, you're gonna have a lot of fun with that. So that's poison for whatever you want to do too, right? Oh, so it's yeah. not just, you know, does poison damage. I mean, a Chachix kiss, it's a level 20 item, right? So this is like end game or you get it as part of a quest or you know whatever accessible to red mantis assassin assassins it does a fair amount of poison damage like a lot you know stage one is 70 12 stage two is 90 12 stage three is 11 d 12 a lot of damage that's a lot of damage but if something dies while afflicted with this their body just decomposes to nothing in a minute just leaves their gear perfect for assassins no trace no trace <laughs> very flavorful very cool Gentle repose doesn't even work unless you uh, raise it to a level, uh, heighten it to a level five. Very, very neat poison that doesn't do a lot on its own other than, you know, oh, it does more damage. But that extra effect is just so cool and so flavorful for the, the organization that would be using it. Yes, and that also comes with a doom effect for each one of those stages, too. Doom 1, Doom 2, Doom 3, which, you know, not the biggest thing when for characters using on NPCs because we don't really track them after they die. But for using against your players, that that's a significant effect. Oh, yes. You don't see Doom a lot, honestly. So I love when I get to play with things that have that ability. 
The blue dragonfly poison is really neat. And it takes some some time to kick in. It's a ingested poison. Uh, but it causes debilitating hallucinations. Uh, stage one just dazzles them for 10 minutes. Stage two dazzles and frightens them for 10 minutes. Stage three frightens and confuses them. I know you don't always get, you know, in most games, unless you're doing like an intrigue type game or something where you get to prep before your battles and such. Uh, but whenever you have the opportunity to use an ingested poison, things that have really interesting effects like this are way cooler than, oh, it does damage. I love this. I think it's really neat. And I want to finish off with my favorite poison and possibly up amongst my top fav al- favorite alchemical items in the book. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Is the GM side? This is this one. I'll give you a hint. It was the level two poison. <laughs> the looter's lethargy. Yep. Oh my God. Oh, so I read good. that and so I was good. dying laughing. And what this it's does anti-murder is anti-murder hobo poison. It's so good. It, it is. It's, it's a simple contact poison, and it says that it can be smeared on locks and chests and everything. And what it does is it has an onset of a minute, and at stage one, it reduces your bulk uh, limit by three. And then at stage two, you're flat-footed, and it redu- reduces your bulk by four. At stage three, it reduces your bulk limit by five. And it says in the description, you know, it's used by guards because they can follow the trail of treasure that people have to keep throwing so they can get away. It's I so love fun. This I love thing. it. It's awesome. <laughs> Anybody that plays in any of my games, watch out for... Uh... Feelings of weakness after pilfering treasure. Yes, I was going to say, whoever came up with Looter's Lethargy, my hat's off to you. That was such a low-level was... item that literally every 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 uh, shop in every town can have it just smeared all over everything. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love this one. <laughs> well, I want to give a special thanks again to Paizo for sending this to us, uh, the review sample. Thank you so much uh, once again for supporting the creator community and uh, people that like to consume and evangelize for your stuff. So thanks to Paizo for sending us a copy of this book. Oh, yeah. And in case anyone you know, missed out on how we feel about this, this is a definite must buy. There is so much fun stuff in here to really bring out uh, personalities of your characters and NPCs and equipping them with just the perfect gear for their persona. And there is so much of that in here. It, it's it's a blast. And I, I really love this book so far. Well, that's about it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Maybe not for this week. We might be releasing uh, some rapid fires of these. I'm not sure yet. But <laughs> we've got a lot to get to still. <laughs> oh, man, this is a big book. It's a lengthy volume. All right, everyone. Well, that's all we have for you guys this week. So as always, you guys have a great week. Bye, y'all. <laughs>